Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Erica, how are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good. I guess I forgot to say this is Kimmy Culp, and I am the host of All the Wiser. And I'm with, you guys know her by now, our uh, very talented, soon-to-be-married Erica Gerard. <laughs> yes, soon-to-be-married in like three weeks. Woof. We're going to have pictures um, to share with you on Instagram. Follow us, All the Wiser Podcast. Um, today, we are going to dive into last week's episode, which was with two guests, Matthew and Tim. And for those of you who have not listened, it is a unthinkable story of forgiveness and high level. Go back and listen because it's just, it really is so powerful and, and hearing them both share their perspectives. But Tim, as a teenager, was a Nazi skinhead, which is what we're going to talk about today. White supremacy, the Aryan nation, uh, skinhead culture and and what that looked like and how it ultimately led to the alley where Timothy beat Matthew for being a gay person in the world nearly to death. And decades later, they would meet again for the first time in a break room at the Museum of Tolerance when they would realize, in fact, who they were talking to. Um, and in Matthew's case, the man who left him for dead in an alley, and um, in Tim's case, the man that he had almost killed all those years ago. So they now have formed a friendship and had a reconciliation, which is beautiful. And Tim's bravery in sharing his interview on the podcast, and that as he has done on stages all over the world, because you know every time he tells this story. Matthew is the victim and he is the racist, homophobic, um, you know, he, he's, he's evil <laughs> in the story. Yeah. He's, he's, yeah, but he's a pure evil perpetrator. And he has to go back to that lowest version of himself, his worst day, his, his nightmare. And obviously here is a man who has grown so far and walked away from that life in such a big, in such a vocal and powerful way and lives um, the opposite of hate. He's the, uh, you know, he's married to a Jewish woman. His best friend and business partner is Matthew, who's openly gay. And he speaks um, now on stages and on our podcast to end um, the the worldview of hatred that that he lived in at that time. So it's obviously a fascinating topic, and today we're going to talk and dive a little bit deeper into white supremacy um, historically when this crime happened and where we are today. And I should tell you, Eric, <laughs> so I was thinking about my, like, you know how the ads pop up on, like, whatever, the spies that know everything that we're talking about and mm -hmm. researching on the internet? <laughs> yes. Ugh, do I ever. So I'm like... 
my like my profile they must be so confused because i'm like homeschooling cults nazi skinheads (laughs) overnight oats easy sunday dinner recipes oh my gosh i I mean you don't start getting you know ads for electric head shavers yes i'm like solitary confinement yeah um school supplies (laughs) you're just so dynamic kimmy it's uh... yes yes i have a multitude of interests um it is a funny google search bar it's a lot of lot of diversity um so yeah, I mean, one of the things I think, Erica, you and I were talking about was I, I keep going back to language in a lot of these episodes because I, you know, there's Aryan Nation, there's KKK, there's skinheads, and, you know, what means what and how to distinguish it. And I'm not sure actually if I have a completely crystal clear answer. But what I do know is that. The Aryan Nation is classified by the FBI as a terrorist organization in this country, as they should be. Um, and that now I understand the, the subset and subculture of skinheads. And Aryan Nation KKK, um, obviously, as, as most people know, anti-Jews, anti-immigrants, anti-leftists, anti-homosexual. And what I did not know is um, for a long time anti-Catholics. But the skinhead movement really started in the UK in the 60s, and it was counterculture to, like, the the peace and love, like the hippie movement. Mm-hmm. It was really, the, like, these working class kids um, who created this, you know, counterculture, a lot of it around music and, and hard punk at the time. And then it came back and reared its ugly head in the 80s um, in the U.S., and there was almost like a uniform, which is how I associate it. And it's interesting because it's exactly what Tim describes is, you know, the shaved head and the Doc Martin boots. And I also read that if you were uh, a skinhead, you laced your boots differently or you you had red and white laces as opposed to just like the kids who were wearing them for a fashion statement. So interesting. So down to that level of detail in the uniform. So you would lace them specifically or you wore red and white to identify yourself as a Nazi skinhead. And then, you know, the the, the things we think about, um, you know, the, the shaved head and sort of the mosh pits. And not all skinheads um, completely identified with the Aryan nation, but but certainly um, there was a, there was a majority that, mm-hmm. that left a destructive wake. And when Tim talks about the crime, when I was researching it and the language again, my obsession with language, there was like a little, um, almost like a vocabulary, um, you know, an index on the language that they used, and it was boot parties. And I'm going to read you the definition. Beating a victim to the ground, then stomping and kicking him or her with steel-toed boots. So... What happened to Matthew was a skinhead boot party um, in the 1980s, which was the exact time of the resurgence of um, skinhead culture. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so they're really, you know, they were a subculture. They're really prominent in um, in prisons and in, in juvies. They've diminished o- over time, but unfortunately... Um, 
as we all know, white supremacy has, uh, is alive and well, which we'll talk about. And so Erica, be interested to kind of see, I know you were going to dive in a little bit deeper to where we are today. That gave us a little bit of historical context on the, the skinhead movement, which is not as prevalent as it once was. But where are we netting out today? Because you know, this is not a thing of the past, unfortunately. That's right. And and so when we're talking about the racist skinhead subculture slash movement, these are people who, you know, many identify and affiliate with white nationalist organizations, like you mentioned, the Aryan Nations, the Ku Klux Klan. Um, but today, the racist skinhead movement has virtually no young recruits. It is not really recruiting in significant numbers. Um, as the racist skinheads of the 80s kind of age and mature and fail to replenish their numbers, some of the older members have left for more far-right groups like the Patriot Group is one of them, which is an anti-government group. So white supremacy in the United States has experienced a resurgence in the past three years specifically. And this is really driven in large part by the rise of the alt-right. And we've heard of the alt-right there in the news quite a bit, but really the alt-right came to prominence uh, in, at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, the infamous uh, rally, which took place in August of 2017. And that rally attracted um, somewhere around 600 extremists from around the country. And, you know, I think that, that those events really served as a wake-up call for many Americans about the resurgent white supremacist movement in the United States. So this movement, the modern white supremacy ideology, is really centered on the assertion that white that the white race is in danger of extinction, that it is being drowned out by a rising tide of non-white people. The belief is is that those people are controlled and manipulated by Jews, because you know, Jews. Erica, Jews get blamed for everything. <laughs> what did Jews not get blamed for? I I think about that a lot, actually. I mean, man, we are just a natural scapegoat. <laughs> um, so, uh, so really, you know, that's where the movement is today. The traditional racist skinhead movement has kind of evolved and brought uh, their energy into the alt-right movement. And, and sadly, the alt-right movement is thriving through, wouldn't you know it, the medium that you and I are talking on right now, podcasting. Is, really? Yes. I, I found some oh, research that shows so that there's been a 200% increase in the amount of alt-right podcasts, and, and that's how they subscribe and find each other. We will not be sharing any links in show notes or newsletters. <laughs> not happening. Not happening. 
But what really surprised me in, in that conversation with Tim or I guess just I hadn't really thought about it because when I was thinking about the punk movement, right? Like you and I, we both kind of were, were young people in the 80s. Yeah, like ska music and punk music. Yeah, yeah. ska, I like punk. a lot of that music. I yeah. know. It, was, it yeah. was good stuff. It was fun. But then you'd if you'd go to the shows, you'd have to be really careful not to get sucked into a mosh pit, right? Yeah. Yeah. But so we think about these mosh pits and we're like, oh, yeah, that was like, you know, dangerous. But what he's talking about was was like mosh pit times 10. I mean, I, I yeah. guess I didn't really realize just how violent the punk scene was in specifically in Los Angeles in the 80s. It really was. It says um, in that 80 surgeons that L.A. was a huge epicenter. And that, so this is the backdrop we're talking about. It's like the exact time period, the exact place, the exact, you know, at, you know, looking for the mosh pit before the boot party. So really, it's interesting to look at something that's just historical documentation of white supremacy in this country and pin it to the story that we just shared. And it's like, if you were a screenwriter, you would know exactly where to place your character, you know, in time, space, you know, it, it was really interesting how it completely me measured up and was aligned with the story of Tim and Matthew. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, this podcast, when you and I talked about it years ago now, or I guess it'll be like two years when we when we met and first started brainstorming on this, but um, in, a, in a couple months was about personal transformation. And that's what we wanted to do was tell stories of personal inspiration or excuse me, personal transformation that would inspire people ideally to ignite some new thinking within themselves or about the world. And listen to this episode because if you think you can't change <laughs> the fact, and I'm telling myself the same thing, that Tim, who was a full-on Nazi skinhead white supremacist, is now the man that you will hear in this interview, you cannot question that the potential for humans to change is innately possible within us. And... I want to end on a change note because we do want to find stories that, that offer and provide hope um, and stories of real people um, because that's where you find real hope is with real people mm -hmm. and real transformation. And we just came across Daryl Davis and getting ready for this podcast. And I am so like obsessed with this man and I want to, dig in a lot deeper personally. Oh, yeah. He's been around for a while. I mean, I remember hearing about Daryl Davis, um, gosh, five or six years ago on Snap Judgment podcast. There's a great story about Daryl Davis. He's been on, you've, you may have seen him on various shows on, you know, TV news shows and, and other podcasts. He's He's been doing this work for such a long time. And Well, I did not know. I mean, I wish I would have known about him, but um, I was just, for those of you who don't, like myself, um, Erica is significantly more well-read. <laughs> 
that's not true. But I, I am a podcast junkie, so that's how I heard about him. But please go tell everyone about Daryl Davis. My manic brain is always going in a million different directions. So I didn't stop and read the full article on Daryl Davis when it came out five years ago. But the long story short on him and why he's a perfect way to end this conversation, and then you can go discover Matthew and Tim and Daryl on your own is that he is a musician and activist. His dad was a diplomat, so he was working in foreign service. And as a result, he grew up um, around the world with diplomat kids. So he grew up consistently in different countries, and it was just everywhere was casually integrated. That's the way the world was. And that was his experience. He comes back to the U.S., is at a school, joins an all-white Boy Scout group, and he's in a parade and starts getting rocks thrown at him and has no idea why because he's never really experienced racism. He doesn't get that that he's being targeted for that reason. So he asked his father, you know, why, why did that happen and why do they hate me? So fast forward years later, he's in a bar playing live music has a conversation with a man who ends up being a member of the KKK and they form a relationship and he decides he wants to write a book all these years later to answer that question that um, came the day that, that people threw rocks at him, which is, why do you hate me? So he gets his, and he's going to write the book on the Klan. He's going to write the book on the KKK. So he gets his secretary, <laughs> he gets his friend from the bar to give him all these contacts, right? Like the the who's who of the KKK. He gets his secretary, who's white, to call an imperial wizard in the KKK and say, I'm representing an author who's writing a book on the history of the KKK. And she sets up an appointment, never explains that Daryl Davis is a black man, and he shows up, you know, with security and meets this imperial wizard. Well, fast forward, they form a friendship, and eventually this man walks away from the KKK um, and and his um, and and everything it stands for, and gives the robe to Daryl Davis. So then he goes on to do this over and over again, um, and what he says is he thinks his reach is you know thirty to forty uh, clan members directly, but. When you look at the impact you can imagine on their kids not experiencing their parents that way and those um, lessons being passed down, obviously hundreds and hundreds of people. Yeah, I read that there he has around 50 robes in his closet that people have given him. Yeah. So, I mean, it's such a big topic. We're trying to keep these episodes short because they're called A Little Wiser. Can I just add one more thing about Daryl yeah. Davis? Yeah. Just because now I'm obsessed. But um you know, one of the clan members that he met with, who he did ultimately convince to leave the clan, had he he said the clan member said, "No one ever left a movement by getting punched in the face." And I think the legacy of Daryl Davis in having these conversations and the legacy of Tim is, what is the work that we can all do to further the numbers of people leaving the white supremacy movement and mm -hmm. what he's saying is it's it's not by violence it's not by you know kicking and screaming it's about 
sharing a, a moment at a diner and sharing a booth and sharing what you have in common, finding ways that you can connect and build trust with each other, finding your shared humanity. It not doesn't mean that you have to agree on everything, but that is where you plant the seeds. And it takes time. Real change like that takes time. Yeah. Thank you um, for, for sharing with that. And I think that's a beautiful note to end on. And they both, you're absolutely correct, embody that and coming from, from different places. One um, who was, um, you know, a black man and the other who at one time was um, a white supremacist. And they're, and they're both examples of the potential for change and the, um, you know, the potential for this country to move away and, and hopefully to a place where, where there is no longer one white supremacist in this country. That would be my hope. Yes. So I was going to tell you, I have a rapid fire bone to pick with you. Oh, no. (laughs) Before we go... Um, I think it's not fair that you ask people what their favorite song is. Okay, you want me to stop? But, well, it's so hard. Wait, Erica, Erica, what's your favorite song? Who has that at the tip of their... T- I mean, first of all, that's a really hard thing to narrow down, favorite song. I mean, that's yeah. really hard. That's like Sophie's yep. choice of songs. <laughs> and so, I mean, may- maybe if you want to go favorite album, but uh, you're really putting them on the spot with song. All right, I'll think about. It. I know favorite cereal. That's like my favorite one to ask, and I like favorite curse word. But I did ask the um, pastor that. That didn't go well. Um, <laughs> what What is your favorite cereal, by the way? Oh my gosh! Like right now, it's super boring. Um, it's like something like cheesy and healthy. But growing up, Fruit Loops for sure. Maybe just... favorite cereal growing up is a better question. Yeah. That. Oh, well, favorite childhood. Cereal. Childhood is the cereal. question. Yes, yes. I, I forgot that word. Yes. Um. So yeah, that's my favorite. What, one. what was favorite. it? Your childhood cereal? Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Fruit Loops. Turns the milk so many different colors at once. <laughs> yes. Same with Lucky Charms. Although, really, I mean, you're just eating it for the marshmallows, right? Who really wants the rest of it? Yeah, I'm never a Lucky Charms fan. I mean, I couldn't eat a bowl if you paid me today. But Fruit Loops, like all day long. Good to know. Yeah. So. Um. All right. Well, I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> I have an interview tomorrow, so I better go look at my rapid fire questions now. And thank you, Heather Barr, for your feedback about Tim and Matthew's episode and sharing the episode on social media. Um, Heather shared it, and she said this is an amazing story about forgiveness and healing. Yay. We love Heather. My sister's name is Heather. We love you, Heather. Thank you. Thank you, and we love you guys. Keep giving us your your notes, your thoughts. Um, we are in this together, so we will talk to you soon, and have a great rest of your week. Have a great rest of uh, what she said. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.